You've always had what it takes to make it happen. And we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show. And of course, we have another fantastic guest for you today. And I'm talking about platinum selling, Grammy award winning, Dove award winning, Billboard Music Award winning, singer, songwriter, and frontman for the group Mercy Me writer of the song I Can Only Imagine and the Lionsgate Roadside Attractions box office hit of the same name and all around down to earth, salt of the earth, good guy. Yes, Bart Millard is in the house today. Now Bart used to think he was an Enneagram 7, but he identifies now as an Enneagram 6. So join us as we go down the wormhole today. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. And now here is your host. Ian Cron. Bart Millard, welcome to Typology. Thanks for having me, finally. <laughs> yeah, man. As we were saying earlier, it's hard to believe that we have lived in pretty much the same town for 11 years, have so many mutual friends, Randy and Katie Williams especially, mm-hmm. and we have never met before. Yeah, I, it is very hard to believe. Like I was... I've known you from the Enneagram stuff long before I realized that some of your dearest friends are some of our dearest friends. And so it's a, uh, it's a finally get to meet you. Well, <laughs> who knows? We probably have some uh, scuttlebutt that we've been told about each other. We'll find out if it, if, it's, <laughs> if it comes out in the wash and then we can blame Randy and Katie for it somewhere down the road. Um, so you uh, self-identify as an Enneagram six, the loyalist. And I'm just <laughs> curious, what led you to conclude that you were a six? Well, um, gosh, where I don't, I, for, from the time that I kind of learned the whole Enneagram thing and what it was, I was a hundred percent certain I was a seven and like, um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm not sure exactly how it all works, but I still believe that, man, there, there's probably, there's definitely a seven there. Like, you know, I tried all the questions and all that stuff. And if I took it four times, I would get close results, but four different results. Cause then, you know, and I don't know if it's my trust issues as a six, but it's like, wait a minute, I'm just to answer this as a 20 year old or answer this as a 48 year old, you know, and like, uh, and, it, and I would get different answers because I was like, I feel like I felt more like a seven back then when the whole world was ahead of me. And then what's funny is like talking to friends about it and having all these conversations, you know, I would read like just the descriptions of different ones, like, you know, because they're not going to sit and take a test over dinner. And over several months of reading through that, like every time I would read through what a six was, I kind of got this weird feeling like, oh man, like I, I think I've, I'm more of a six than I am more, probably a six with seven wing. And when I realized, yeah, I definitely am. Like I got, I was depressed for a while. Like uh, I was kind of bummed out mm. because I guess the mm. whole Peter Pan side of seven was so exciting and stuff. And, and maybe it's more of what I would like to be seen as, but, but there is definitely a motivation of fear and, and, um, um, you know, and, 
a mutual friend, Katie being a six definitely kind of made me realize, Oh yeah, I'm hundred percent a six. Like, uh, you know, just, mm. just the little things of like, uh, you know, it's like, there are issues of, you know, um, you know, trust when, no matter who I meet at first, but then the second we break through that, I would take a bullet for him and to a fault almost like, uh, you know, I'm in no matter what, it's just hard. It takes a little time to get to that point. And so my guard is always up and yeah. And so, uh, so as much as I've kind of read through it and stuff, it's like, it just kind of, it, it felt, it resonated more than anything else. And there's definitely a seven wing, but, but, uh, six is kind of home base, if you will. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I tell people is that, um, in, in terms of wings, you can have what's called a heavy wing. You can have a moderate wing or you can have a light wing. And if you have a heavy wing, sometimes like this was my experience, I'm a four with a three wing, but my three wing is so heavy that it took me a long time to realize that I was a four because I'd be vacillating back Mm -hmm. and forth, you know? And, um, but what, what sealed it for me was the unconscious motivation, right? Uh, I, definitely identified with the unconscious motivation of the four more than the three. So the six is unconscious motivation is a need to feel safe, secure, and supported in a world that feels chaotic, unpredictable, and threatening. Yeah. Right? And for the seven, the seven would be the need to um, avoid psychological and emotional pain through constantly living in this future of incredible escapades and adventures, always planning fun, always thinking about the next fun thing we're going to do and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So if, in a way, if the six copes with fear through a kind of pessimism, sometimes mm-hmm. the seven deers deal, deals with fear through optimism. So it's, yeah. it's the same anxiety. It's just two different management systems. So of yeah, those two, why- which sounds more like you. Presently, the six, and that's and, okay. and that's that's kind of why it's hard to answer because it's like um, I feel like the the seven part of me or whatever has has almost gotten me to this point. Like there was a motivation and the the reason I took the risk and started a band and did all this crazy stuff that people thought there's no way find something to fall back on, and and I I resonate with that for so long. And then like and like I said, like I don't know enough about to know like if if I guess it's a thing, but like currently. And I would even say um, with all the success we've had and people that you would consider friends that end up just wanting something from you, I be, I went from an extrovert to an absolute introvert. Like I just, I, I mm. kind of shut myself in. And, and so like, that's when it's hard to answer. Like, yeah, I feel like most of my life there was a seven like this, just everything was about wonder and nothing to stop me to where now it's like you hit a point to where this six is like rearing its head like crazy. It's, it's a, mm. even the motivation is, is, is different. And, and it's, there is this sense of wanting to be accepted and be safe and stuff like that. But I don't know, just kind of, mm. just kind of built these weird kind of walls, if that makes sense. And just, uh, yes. you know, and became incredibly more loyal to the people that I do consider dear friends and, and don't take it for granted. Like I probably did in the past, but at the same time, it just takes a little bit to kind of let, people that I'm just meeting in, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, that's really interesting. I remember uh, hearing uh, Eugene Peterson say something that was sort of brought me, you know, sort of threw me back on my heels. He said, someone asked him, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to the human soul? And without blinking, 
he went celebrity. Mm -hmm. I, I I agree with that. It's like you people know. that win the lottery. It's like you don't hear many success stories and that kind of stuff. And it's no, like, uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, no, you don't. And I and think you've described some of the the trauma of celebrity, right? Mm -hmm. Which is who are my friends? Um, what? Why does this person want to hang with me? What's the real motivation? Do they want a selfie or do they want to know me? You know, right. is it? Yeah. On and on and on, you know, what are the motivations these people have? You become skeptical and cynical a little bit. Yeah. And so who knows? Maybe as we talk, we'll we'll hone in maybe on <laughs> the six or maybe we'll leave the conversation with uh let's take a look at seven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know if it's like, yeah, if if it, it switches like that's the whole thing with like, you know, what is it truly? Cause like I could say at 20 when I'm not married with kids, like I approach things differently to where there's just so much more that factors in and just, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's the, which it is. I know I feel like a six and it's kind of, yeah. It's like, I feel like a six, but want to be a seven. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a, I, I, I like to say, I think I said this in the road back to you, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, I'd like to be a Stephen Colbert seven, but I'm a Bob Dylan four without the talent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I felt the same way. Like I literally, we were in Hawaii doing a show randomly and i was reading around this whole table stuff and it hit me like the more i read about a six i was like whatever it was in the past like right now everything about this hits me hard and i was mm. i was genuinely bummed out like in a weird yeah. way and then and then i've come to like like embrace it more and it doesn't bum me out anymore it's just a it's almost like how was i duped for a year thinking that i was a seven as if like there's no part of me it's a seven all of a sudden is the way i was acting and and right. uh you know but yeah it's a uh, you know, but it, but in the same way, kind of understanding that has a kind of helped me get it to a probably healthier place than I've ever been in my life. Hmm. Uh, you know, just kind of you know, it's like you said, it's like you can you when you start to understand this, and it's like I mean, I remember reading like the sixes, I, whatever the, the app is or whatever where it says like you know how to deal with me as a six, and even reading those, I was like, holy cow! Like it was all hmm. like revolutionary to me. Just never looked at it that way. Yeah, and that self-knowledge, as you just mm. were alluding to, that that the the acquisition of that kind of self-knowledge can have a revolutionary effect on your life. It's mm. like, oh, this explains so much. Right. And it really, you know, I hope it what it does for people too is it elicits a lot of self-compassion. And the reason I say that is that I, I also believe that your type. The, the type that we adopt, this way that we show up for the world mm -hmm. is in part a response to very early trauma. Mm. Yeah. Like, just is, right? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's partly disposition, temperament, genetics. It's just, you know, some people come in the world more anxious than others. Some people come in the world more depressive than others, et cetera. You know that having children. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, but in, but to some meaningful degree, it's also like, how did I cope with trauma? Did I become someone fixated on security and uh, support and safety? Did I kind of retreat into a place where as a seven, I became, a, became so future oriented and thinking mm -hmm. about fun and happiness to escape painful feelings? Do you see how this could just be trauma driven? Yeah, no question. Yeah. And I, and I think for me, it, it for sure is just a, I've had enough of, of, you know, like we all have issues growing up with, you know, daddy issues, stuff like that. And, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you talk about the six, you know, 
looking for acceptance or whatever, that's definitely been a huge motivation with everything I've done. You know, just having a dad that had a, um, a massive amount of potential, like as far as being a football player and stuff, and it all fell through and living with a bitter man that like so bitter to the point, my dad was supposed to had a chance to play pro football, but uh, back then you got your four year degree and then you went to, you, you didn't, it, you know, this is the sixties. It wasn't a high paying job and you definitely finished college. You weren't drafting early. And uh, he ended up uh, quitting. He was went to SMU. He quit school early because either an injury or something like that. And found out like 10 years later, he stayed in touch with the team that Vince Lombardi's Packers were looking at him as soon as he graduated. Didn't find out until mm-hmm. it was way past. And this weird bitterness. Like I was named after Bart Starr out of sarcasm, not out of honor. Like uh, just wow. that old fight that my mom and dad had. He decided I want to name him Bart Starr. And it was like this weird anger of just so I don't forget what could have been. And it's, and it wasn't in an, in an honoring way. And just, he was a mm. different person then. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, so there's always been this sense of, uh, you know, the kid that tried football, but I was never as good as him, never worked out and found out I was able to sing. And it didn't matter what the thing was. It was like, uh, even though my dad's saying, don't chase your dreams, get a nine to five job. It's not worth it. Deep down. I was like, this is everything that he wanted. And so nothing was going to stop me. Cause in my own head, that was the way to please him. That was what was mm. going to make him proud. Even when he fought me most of the way and said, you're crazy. Don't do it. I was like, no, I know. Cause, and there's no way I want to be him, you know, mm. and say, what if the rest of my life? And so, uh, so yeah, that's always been a part of it. And um, um, yeah. And there's definitely some escapism just to, you know, my dad was abusive early in my life and until he, his life completely changed. And so that kind of escape that goes along with a seven, was definitely a coping mechanism to say the least. I wouldn't had no clue what any of this was back then, but I could see like, like it's, and there's a weird way when I, there's an affection towards a seven because I feel like a seven, that part of it almost saved my life. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it got me through so much. The reason I have a vivid image and that's where I'd go. That was my security blanket. And, uh, you know, and, and, and then just, and I, my whole childhood young adult life was that, but then it's like there was a moment in my adult life where, you know, went to grief counseling with my wife that led into kind of tapping into my childhood with the way that I respond to things and how I'm a father and a husband. And I think that's when I started to get healthy. And that's when I was kind of I don't know if I could ever see that I was potentially a six. And then uh, the healthier I got, realized, oh, OK, if we're being honest, this is probably more of the motivation than just I'm Peter Pan the rest of my life. Like there's something deeper here. And. And, um, mm. yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's been enlightening. I, I know I'm thinking, you know, Jamie George, is, mm-hmm. I go to journey and he introduced this to us, you know, a few years ago. And I was just like, what is this? And, and so, uh, and yeah, just fascinated with it. And, and, uh, yeah. So, so I think that's, I, I, I think I'm a six, yeah, I don't know, a seven, but it's what it feels like. <laughs> and, you know, that is, you know, uh, I always like it when someone comes on ambivalent mm-hmm. uh, in part because, you know, sometimes people think, oh, this is going to be easy to figure this mm-hmm. out. And this is deep, mysterious, complex material. It's not it's a journey of self-understanding. And, and like I've told people a hundred times, sorry, audience, uh, you know, I, it took me 10 months and I'm a therapist and a trained <laughs> Episcopal priest. You know what I mean? And a trained right. spiritual director. You, you'd think I'd have gotten in a heartbeat. It's like, mm, no, it's a little bit. 
it ain't the Myers Briggs. It's not something you can just stamp out, you know. Right. And I'm glad. I'm glad for that because I think people are too complicated to just you know mm. throw them in a box fast, you know. Yeah, that's the hard part. That's kind of. I'm, I mean, you were aware more than anything, but it's funny because. Like it kind of caught on like wildfire, especially in Nashville of all places, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm guilty of it at times, but it's funny when you meet people and they're like, oh no, they're an eight. Like, it's like, well, I don't think that's how this is supposed to be used as far as let's label like, gotcha, you know, <laughs> that I'm going to steer clear of them or whatever, but I caught myself doing it. And you're right. It's like, it's so easy to like, it's not trying to compartmentalize something so complex into nine numbers. It's just, right. it's like, you know, and I, you know, for me, it's been amazing to, to understand, uh, you know, where people are coming from or, you know, how they resonate, if you will, it's, it changes everything as far as your approach and stuff, man, the whole sleeping at last thing. Like, it's so funny when that whole thing, dude, like I told one friend and it's probably wrong, but I was like, listen to all of them. And the one that wipes you out completely is probably what you are. Cause I can hear the one-on-one and be like, oh, that's beautiful. Man, I got to six and I was flat on the floor, like in, in like a million pieces. Mm-hmm. And my wife, my wife being a nine was like, she loved them all. She did. She, it, wow. she resonated and kind of wept as a six because she's married because of me. But then she got to nine. It's like, she couldn't breathe. And yeah. it's a, uh, and it's, it's one of the most beautiful from the artwork to everything. It's one of those beautiful things. And I think I've promoted that album probably more than he has. No, I'm kidding. Just I've told everyone about it. Like I just and I'm like, and yeah, it's and everybody that I know, no matter what number they are, it's like without saying a word, you know, that my friends that are threes, they hit that three. The one that was interesting to me and I and I'm curious about it. Is there anywhere in there that says that because I feel like eights push my buttons more than anything else, like as a six. I don't know if, there's a, if that's a thing or what. But uh, yeah, but then that it, it, like um. Like they're like, I'll know some people that are, uh, I guess it's safer to say unhealthy aches that just that my wife's like, nah, you know, no big deal. And it just drives me crazy. But in that. So was your dad Nate? Um, that's a great question. Um, if you had to guess, I'm just curious. No, nah, man, I don't think he, no, I don't think he was. Okay. Um, that's a good question. I've always thought of my dad as more of a five. Uh, but I haven't given it a ton of thought, um, you know, but I'm, like I said, but I'm a, I'm a, he was an abusive man. So, I mean, on any given day, I could say, yeah, he was an eight because I wasn't fond of eights. Like, it's not really the right answer, but it's like, right. There is, right. I don't know what it is about that, you know, I mean, or, or unless it's just the, um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I will say in the fact that sometimes these, the things eights will push our buttons is that when I heard that song for eights. I, I kind of wept for that too. It's this weird kind of like, it said something to me, uh, understanding more what a beautiful, healthy eight is. Mm. It almost broke my heart. Cause it's like, I've almost kind of written them off as something else, if that makes sense. And yeah. And that's what mm. you hope the Enneagram does, right. Mm. That yeah. it, 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 it uh, not only brings up compassion, but also empathy, right. Yeah. For, for other people, because, you know, we're talking about wounds, Right. And uh, and how people have responded to wounds and how they continue to live out of them until they get self-awareness and, and realize, well, you know, this is who else could I have been given what yeah. I went through? Yeah. And and, and uh, this doesn't give me permission to stay in the shadow aspect of my type. I want to grow and become a healthier person. But but of course, this is who I became. 
Now, I want to ask you a question, though, because I'm asking this of sixes all the time. You know, mm. um, I feel like right now in the world, we're all sixes. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're <laughs> all sixes in a way. Right. Uh, we we are living in a time uh, I would call this the year of anxiety. You mm -hmm. know, uh, COVID, the election, um, you know, all kinds of stuff happening in the world, the economy, people losing their jobs, you know, et cetera. And um, I'm just wondering how have you coped in the year of anxiety as a mm -hmm. six, and and being somebody for whom anxiety is like your Velcro for anxiety. Well, the. I'm a phobic six, not a counterphobic. And so, and so, uh, I, I, it is, um, it has been challenging and then numbing all at the same time. Like, uh, at some point I check out, like, you know, like there's, it's too much information. I don't know what's right, what to trust or whatever. And so I will retreat into like the studio and an album that's supposed to come out a year and a half ago. I've intentionally drug it out to have something to do take my mind off of it. And so, yeah. you know, and, and so it's been a, it's, I'd say it's the year of retreat for me is what it feels like. Cause you know, mm. in some ways I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I, I the pandemic's actually been a, a, a healthy thing for our marriage and, and, um and for me being forced to kind of slow down and kind of stay put and stuff. um, You know, it's, it's, it hasn't been that bad. I would, I'm never one to do that. And so like when you're forced to, I was like, man, this is okay. I, I could go without putting my hard pants on anytime soon. You know, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, I mean, I, it's been, um, in some ways I've kind of checked out like, um, like I don't, I, I don't post anything political. I just don't get involved. I don't, Right. it's none of it's worth the fight is what it feels like to me. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I see people that kind of, you know, are friends that are counterphobics that like, you know, that want to take this stuff on and man, I'm, I'm the most passive, you know, one thing and not to change that, but the one thing you mentioned eight that I couldn't get out of my head was there's a part of me as a lead singer, of this band where I, I kind of have to, be a leader and be an aide at times. And it's a part of my job that I've never super enjoyed as far as like, you know, confronting conflict or disagreeing or whatever. I don't know if that, how much that plays a part of like, a, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's when I have to play those roles. Like I, I never meant to be a quote unquote leader, if you will, but yes. when those things, when those things fall yeah. on me, it's like, Oh, it's aggravating, especially when I'm a phobic six. So I think there's I think there's probably two dynamics there. One is to remind people that you are you contain in you all nine numbers. Mm -hmm. So you're not solely a six. You're just sure. dom your dominant six. So, yeah. you know, you could behave like a four or you could behave like a one in cer certain areas of your life. You may be a perfectionist. Other areas of your life, you know, you're more of a seven. You, right. you know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. you have access to all those energies. It's just that yeah. one tends to be dominant. And then. So, you know, you can access that eight side. Here's the difference. Unlike an eight, you have to burn more calories to be confrontational. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes, 100%. Right? The eight can get energy from that confrontation. You yeah, they almost find joy in it, it seems like. And that's what drives they me can. crazy. <laughs> they can, if they're, if they're really unhealthy in particular. Yeah. I think if, if uh, um, or even if they're healthy, sometimes they just like immediate engagement with people and they like the juice. They just mm -hmm. like the juice. And, and so it's not even confrontation sometimes. It's just intensity. Yeah. And so 
I don't have, I'm a four, man. I'm in, you know, I'm in the withdrawing stance. I, right. I withdraw from conflict for sure. Like I don't, I, I can do it, but again, I got to burn calories, right. you know? Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's definitely, I think uh, one piece of it for sure. You know? Uh, and I would say, you know, here's the trouble with being a six in the spotlight. <laughs> Like, uh, and you tell me if this is true, but this would be sort of iconic six. Sixes typically don't like to be out front. They, yeah. Uh, and the reason is, one is they don't like to be scrutinized and they don't like to be out front because then they're exposed. And if they're too successful, then people are looking at them too closely and that makes them vulnerable to attack. Right. And, and they're they're like, oh, you know, oh, they get really squirrely when they're yeah. out front uh they would rather they like they like being uh encouraged or affirmed just not too much so i guess one question i would have for you is how's that celebrity working out for a six well you know it's interesting because like uh like that holds true in a little different way as far as like uh i'm a our our big joke is is like you know i'm the most unlikely front man or lead singer of a band like i'm out of shape i'm 12 feet taller than most artists it feels like and and uh and like i mean we spent we, we spent so much of our career like you know doing shows as like a toby mac of these guys they're doing backflips and they're you know and i just i literally stand in my mic and then walk to my water bottle come back that's it like i'm not that entertaining and there's a part of me that fits right in that like i ref i'm not going to jump through hoops i refuse to do any of that stuff to quote unquote, enter, if that's what it takes to entertain, I'm out. And so that definitely holds true. The one thing that's interesting for me is, is um, I've done it for so long that I found this weird um, comfort. Like it, there, I would rather, it would be easier to sing in front of 10,000 people than to sit in a room with one of you guys and do this because even those 10,000 people, no one can, will interrupt me or can get to me on stage. And so I find myself being, a million times more vul more vulnerable setting up a song or on stage than I would one-on-one -on -one a lot of times because mm. it's very ironic to say I feel safer there than anywhere else because of course there's people out there can't see them because of spotlights but they're not going to go yes but or ev ever pry into me I have complete mm -hmm. control to say what I want to say and and dictate the, the narrative and uh and so you know healthy or not it's like it's it's become like a safe place for me but on the on the entertainment side and just being a lead singer it's like i'm 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 there's a very cynical side to me of like whatever i do will immediately come across insincere mm -hmm. and um and so you know as far as all the antics nobody wants to see a guy my size try to do a high kick but uh <laughs> Uh, you know, that's what it feels. That's, that's what it feels like. That's what roll, that's what goes to my head during a whole show is like, you know. And so, <laughs> no, but now you've got me seeing you doing I a high know, kick, yeah, which is yeah. like you're killing yeah. me right now. And there'll be my, like I'll do it to make the band laugh, but I would I could never do it with a straight face. Like this is what they want. Oh my gosh, that mortifies me to think like that. And so, uh, and so I just I get up there. My when I was a kid. Um, my parents divorced when I was three and I lived with my dad. My dad wouldn't come home from work till like six. So when I get out of school, I'd walk to our church that kind of raised me and I'd go in the sanctuary and I'd play on the piano by myself because I loved how it echoed and sing. And one day my pastor saw me through like the side door and, and I was kind of embarrassed and he just walked up and, and he said, man, he goes, if you can figure out what you're doing now and 
He meant like, if you can figure out a way to like peel your chest open and let people see your, just your heart, they'll follow you anywhere. And, um, and that's been a part of me. I mean, I've, I've held on that for so long that it's almost the point is like, man, I'm just here to sing. Like I'm not doing any backflips. I'm not, you know, it's, you know, it, it, to a very almost sarcastic level, if you will. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so, but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that, but it, it is, it is a, it's a weird, the, 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 the more successful we've gotten, uh, the, the, the more I've kind of retreated to, you know, I have a handful of dear friends that, you know, include, and, you know, the band, some of my best friends in the world, but dear friends outside of what I do. And, uh, and I would lay my life down for them. And, but it's like, um, you know, I'm the guy when they're like, Hey, we got to, we got to ramp this thing up. Let's start doing shows again. I'm the one that's like, oh, do, do we need to, are we good? Can't you like cut expenses back? We can keep this going. Cause I love right. being alone in the studio, making music and right. yeah. Well, you know, the focus of attention, you know, every type has a focus of attention. Mm. So let's say you're a one. You, if, when you walk into a room, your attention immediately migrates toward the mistakes. Like, mm-hmm. where's the disorder? What requires ordering, let's say. If you're um, a four on the Enneagram, my, mm. my attention immediately goes toward what's missing. Not what's mistaking, mm. mistaken, but what's missing. Hmm. Right. That that's sort of a letdown. It's like, oh, that that's not the ideal that I was hoping for, you know, or yeah. anticipating. I could go, you know, I could go through all the numbers and do it. But the focus of attention for sixes is what could go wrong and how do I prepare? Yep. Right. Yep. And uh, I'm just wondering, are you a worst case scenario thinker? Yep. Absolutely. I'm telling you, you know, the on the on the sleeping at last song, like the um, there's probably some obvious ones that could, Oh, I could see why you cried. I cried when he talks about being on a plane looking for the exit road, you know, and like right. preparing, you know, for the worst that it wrecked me in the first verse. Cause I was like, my gosh, my, my whole life is, is a, uh, you should just, mm. you should just sneak in on some of our band meetings. Cause they're like this, this, this. And I'm like, but we have to prepare for the worst. What if this happens? What if this? And they're like, okay. And, uh, you know, and, and once I'm convinced I'm, I'm in, but it's like, I have to go through it all. It dri- that part drives me crazy, but I do it all the time. Like buying mm-hmm. a car is a beat down for me. Like it's <laughs> like a, that, the six and the, the six or the seven wing or whatever. It's like, I analyze everything. I think, I think everyone's trying to screw me. Like I have a, we built a house, the sweetest man on the planet. He is, he has never done anything wrong. And if I call, if I've got to call him to say, Hey man, uh, we've got a, a door jam that's stuck or whatever. It'll take me a couple of hours because in my head, I'm ready for the fight. There's never been a fight. Mm. He's never done anything but been there immediately. But every time I believe it's like, this is where he got me. He totally got me. He's going to put in a, you know, I go there every time and it drives me crazy. Yeah. Like you're, you're talking there about the sort of the natural suspicious suspiciousness yeah. that eights have or sixes have of other people. Mm. It's like other people have a hidden agenda. It's like, Oh, maybe he, Maybe, uh, you know, he got a cheaper door than the one I ordered and, yep. you know, and yep. then, 100%. Uh, is that an agenda? and then on top of that, there, there you're already planning and preparing in your head for the worst case, which is, I'm going to have to have an argument with this guy yep. and it's going to be really, and then of course, you know, how many of these things actually happen? You know, yep. when was the last time you needed to know in reality where the exit was on the airplane? Right. You never, right. But it's always ramping up for the worst. Then as a phobic, I end up avoiding the phone call altogether. It's like I talk myself out of it or I'm in the car going, how dare you, sir? I'm ready. And then I finally do run into him like, 
sweetest guy on the planet. I had nothing to worry about. It's like, it's like right. you talk about burning calories. I burned calories an hour before the phone. <laughs> yes. Yes. Totally. I totally get that. And, and, uh, if you ever get a chance, listen to Sarah the Barge's interview with me on sixes. And she, okay. she talks about, I don't even go up to first class when I'm upgraded because, you know, they die first when the plane goes down. Like the statistical averages are greater that you will it's die hilarious. in first class versus yeah. coach. Yeah. And I'm like, let me die in first class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that bad, but I do I process. It's so funny when it's like flying, when it's completely out of my control, I can let it go. Like, uh, mm. you know, it's like, yeah, I have people that are like, I can't fly. Aren't you freaking out? I'm like, no, man. Like there's, there's, there's no analyzation I can make to change this situation. He's got to fly the plane and I got to get there. So I can let that go. It doesn't consume me. But then little things that do seem like they're in my lap takes a while. Mm. It's so interesting because it seems like the, the, you know, the you that you're describing right now, it would have been really hard to, you know, launch the band in those early days, all the things you have to do, you know? Uh, and I just wonder, like, I mean, you, you must've been rocking it as a seven, like leaning into that wing with all the optimism you, you had to have had. I, yeah. I saw the movie too, even in the movie, it's sort of depicted as you being super opt optimistic with a lot of vision moving forward, you know? Yeah. And, that, and that's why I say it's, uh, it's a little confusing because looking back as a six, I was like, there's no reason why this band would happen or whatever. And, but as a seven, it's always made sense. That's why I kind of thought, Oh, totally. That's me, you know? And, you know, and it's also a part of me going, well, maybe I'm not a fan of the 40 something year old me. I really like that 20 year old. So I'm the seven or whatever, you know, it's like, it's, and, and I can see parts of that and, and, you know, sure circumstances take place, even the death of my father and, and success, those things that were a huge part of this. It's like, you know, uh, my manager, I was talking to him. And when the movie came out, um, we kind of, we took a break afterwards. And uh, our last album came out 2017. This will come out in this, this year in April. So it's almost about four years. And um, um, it's a long silver waited. And I was telling manager, like, man, I just don't, I don't feel like, finishing working on the record like I didn't want to do it and it was interesting because he said well he goes because he goes because in a way you've made it and I was like what are you talking about he goes well you almost have to fat you have to generate or not fabricate and lying but create suffering like I'm I I, I lament well and a lot of the songs that mean mm -hmm. so much to me are you know mm -hmm. and I I don't really enjoy songwriting because it means I have to go to a place that's painful and hang out mm -hmm. for a little bit I love the result, but it's hard. It takes a while for me to go back there. And, uh, and he was kind of like, all you've dreamed of is to kind of not necessarily like I'm dreaming of being successful, but I've dreamed of being accepted, being taken seriously to be able to support my family. And when all these things kind of hit at a higher point than I ever thought it is, it's kind of like kind of feeling fat at the table. It's like, and for him to say, yeah, he goes, you almost have to feel like you have to generate some kind of suffering when right now you're not necessarily suffering as much as maybe you have or or you've tackled a lot of the issues or or you've gotten healthy about them. Now, oh, it's an interesting approach to, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's and it, there is a little bit of that to where, um, you know, I've got dear friends that went through things that probably wouldn't be a, a huge deal. And I'm sitting here writing four songs about it. I was like, oh, he may be right. I'm just looking for something to latch on to. To right. be heartbroken over. <laughs> well, you just need to start writing with Enneagram fours. <laughs> yes, I have a daughter that's right. one, and so we hang out a lot. <laughs> yeah, man. You get a four in the room. I remember I wrote a song with Stu G, who's a four, and we, and it was a song for for uh, Michael W. Smith for Smitty, and 
And uh, the two of us were writing this song, and we just wept through the whole right. I mean, just like, <laughs> man. like this. And I'm not sure Smitty thought it was all that bad. I mean, but we were like, this is, this is awesome. It's, uh, and, uh, you know, that's floors working together, man. It's so funny because, like, I'm typically, like, I always joke that I'm a, I'm just a, a sports fan or whatever who happens to sing. And that's kind of where I may hover most of the time. But when I'm writing, my four rears its head like crazy. Like I do go there and that's why it's hard, but it's like, I, you know, I'm not a fan of being wrecked and wearing my heart on my sleeve, but whether it's on stage or writing, it's, it's the most genuine moments that I have. Mm, yeah. And so I wrote with Stu G one time, not knowing any of this about him. And we were writing for some Fanny Crosby album or whatever. And so we had her lyrics and we had to make a song out of it. And Stu just starts playing that weepy guitar that he's so Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. And we both started crying without writing a word. We're like, oh, my yep. God, the guitar. I know. Can you imagine where we're going to end up? And it was like, Whoa. oh, and oh, I know. He was a four. I was like, we, but we both had this kindred yep. spirit of like, just, you know, there are things that will wreck me on a four level, yep. if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll tell you another person, uh, you know, while we're just dropping names, uh, you know, another person I've, I've written with that is a four and the same thing happens to Cindy Morgan. And, oh, and yeah? Cindy is so for man and the two of us get together and it is like a melancholy fest. It is just beautiful. <laughs> it's one, well, I don't care if the song ever gets cut. I just want to write with her and get all sad for a day and leave me <laughs> yeah. and like, get, get in touch with it. You know? <laughs> all right. So, you know, um, fours typically have issues around authority figures. Mm-hmm. So let me give you a little, you know, sort of a, a sense of that. Um, because the phobic six, for example, looks at authority figures uh, as the source of their security and the source of their um, safety, right? So they can often ingratiate themselves with authority figures or they see the authority figure um, as the person their attention needs to be riveted on, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the counterphobic six will look at the same authority figure and it's the opposite, right? It's like the, the phobic six is like, I'm afraid, but that person, outside of me is the authority figure and they're going to take care of me. The right. phobics, the counterphobic looks at the authority figure and says, Hmm, if that person so much as, you know, deviates from my, you know, moves outside of the zone of trust, I'm going to take that, that sucker down. You know what I right. mean? Like they get, mm-hmm. that's why they, sometimes they look like eights. Yeah. Hey everybody. One of the lessons I've learned over the years is that not everybody benefits from a traditional 50 minute counseling session. And this is why some people can go to couples therapy or personal counseling for a long time and never really get anywhere. This is why I'm such a believer of intensive counseling and my friends at restoring the soul in Colorado created by my longtime friend, Michael Cusick to help couples or individuals experience deep change and have day blocks over one or two weeks. Now listen, if you can't wait months or years to get to the bottom of an issue or to experience breakthrough, you need to get in touch with my friend Michael and his extraordinary team of counselors at Restoring the Soul. If you're looking to get out of the rut you're in but can't wait months or years, call Restoring the Soul today for a free consultation with Michael's staff. Call 303-932-9777 and learn how their intensive counseling process can help you as a special bonus just for typology listeners make sure to visit www.restoringthesoul.com slash typology to download their pdf called five ways unaddressed trauma may be derailing your relationships
and in reality, you know, there's really not two different sixes because typically it's on a continuum and people are moving, you know, sixes tend to move more phobic, maybe more counterphobic, and then maybe in the middle and then the, which sort of actually coincides with their natural ambivalence, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, this is part of also being sixes in this age of anxiety. Um, I'm not going into politics at all here. I swear to gosh, I'm not. Right. But, what I, but what I am going to say is all of us have been focused on authority figures, regardless of whether it's on the left or the right or whatever. We're right. just all of us are fixated on authority figures. And I guess the, the question I would have for you is at what point mm-hmm. do you trust one or at what like or or is that been your experience, whether with teachers or coaches or, you know, I, I can see where the trauma with your dad as an authority figure could really influence the way that you view. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you suspicious of authority figures? Does it take a long time? Just tell me if you have any history. Yeah. That. Yeah, I am. Um, yes, there. If I don't know them, it's definitely a suspicion to uh, uh, authority figures, and you know, it's, there's probably a reason why I I don't have a desk job, and I, you know, doing something that I'm some kind of in charge of and control of. But it's interesting because this is a. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, without trying to take any kind of political stance. Like sometimes yep. mm-hmm. I. And maybe it has to do with my dad. Sometimes I will give, um, I will give them the benefit of the doubt if they're just good to me, if they, mm. if they, if they, if they, if they just seem like good people, and and you know maybe to a fault. And a great example is, um, um, I when we, when Trump uh, was just got inaugurated, we got asked to do the presidential prayer breakfast. We actually got asked early on. And before it all went down. And so we at the time, it wasn't as polarizing. We thought, man, whether it's Trump or Hillary in office, if the president asked me to come and be who I am and what I do, I'll 100 percent do it. You know, it's like regardless who it is, that was kind of our take on it. And so um, so we ended up going. And of course, you know, Trump's there. And so we had to set up on this main table on stage. And it was like me and my wife and like Pence and his wife and some other people. And so I had a chance to talk to Mike Pence like. And without knowing anything about him, especially then didn't, cause I just, you know, I, I, I pay attention a little bit, but I'm not, you know, super hard. Like I said, I probably shut down a retreat on that stuff. And I thought, man, like he just was a kind person and I'm sure maybe most of them are, I don't know, but you know, it's like, there was something about him, like, man, he's, he's a super kind person to where I found myself later. If somebody was dogging some of his views, something inside me already thought, He's a good man. Like I, I found whether I even knew what his policies were because I saw him as a good man. I found myself kind of in a weird way, just defending him in my head, if you will. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so, totally. Uh, and so I don't know if that's more of the loyalist trust kind of thing. Like, uh, um, you know, on the flip side of that, like I know people that just from, say, a political standpoint, just from their policies, they already know they hate someone. And I, I could, I could never, I don't, I don't think it's a part of me. that could be like that regardless of what side it is. You know, I've got friends that are definitely conservative. I'm like, man, I don't know. I never met Obama, but he seemed like a dude I could hang out with. Like just a cool guy, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just don't kind of go one way or the other, if you will, as far as like to where it's like, that's what's crazy about right now is like, everything is so polarizing. Never seen anything like it. And, uh, but yeah, back to the authority thing. It's like, a. um, it, I, I guess it goes back to that once whatever it is that has me believe that I can trust them, then it's not, you know, it's not as much of an issue, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, 
you know, I guess I would compare it. Yeah. I mean, like my, and because that trust also goes both ways, like the president of my record label is an eight. I would consider him a healthy eight who it's not, it's less about, uh, you know, um, you know, let's just, you know, let's, I know what's right. Let's just go from, let's just skip all the stuff and go straight here. But he becomes that healthy eight that is looking out for the one looking out for the other people and, and, you know, like being a leader is giving them a chance to shine and stuff. And so he hears everything that we say and we do, and, and I have no problem trusting him kind of running this thing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I, I, uh, you know, some sixes I know, man, when they look back on their history and they have this sort of very ambivalent relationship with, with authority and authority figures, you know, and. Oh, I do on can... certain levels. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's just, I, guess, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess in my thing, like, it's just, I'm trying to think of like, um, Cause you know, our job is different. Like I don't have a direct boss, if you will, but right. even authorities like a promoter at a show who, you know, who want like, if, and I'm not good with like change or don't, or when people step into what I, what I'm been uh, brought in to do great example. It's mm. kind of petty, but like, we don't really do altar calls or whatever. I mean, we just kind of just, you know, we just kind of share what's on our heart and kind of stuff. And man, we did a show not long. Well, it's been a while now, but, and I remember getting there and last minute, like, hey, we're going to need you to do an altar call. And man, I blew my lid, not because I'm anti that. It was because it was change and it was someone stepping in to what I think I do well and saying, I need you to do it differently. And that form of that, I mean, it threw, it derailed me so fast. And I was like, absolutely not. No way. Are you kidding me? No, how dare he? And then about 30 minutes later, I calmed down and probably ended up doing it. But it's just like that immediate thing was like this weird speaking into what I think I'm good at, you know, like, or speaking of my strengths like that, I struggle with big time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that's true about, about sixes is that they like predictability and they, oh, man, and they yes. like, mm-hmm. they like predictability. They like, um, typically they like institutions. They like, mm. uh, you know, the might be the church. It may be a particular theology. It may be a particular political thing, or they, you, you know, they become very loyal to things Yeah. In, in part because they're good people in part, because those things represent those institutions or that way of thinking represents security and safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe someone stepping in, you know, number one, you're screwing with my predictability here. Right. Number, number two, uh, I don't, uh, you know, I, I really don't like this, the authority game that's happening right now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're blindsiding me. This should have been in the writer. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, right. like yeah. what, this yeah. last yeah, minute yeah. thing, I don't adjust yes. well, you know, and, uh, but what's so funny is talking about authority issues is if you like, I've, I've had things happen in publishing deals and in speaking things and my, I've been in a 12 step group for a lot of years and my sponsor, you know, for drug and alcohol, people with mm-hmm. drug and alcohol problems. And my, sp- my sponsor will say, you know, you're the talent. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to let yourself get pushed around here. You're the talent. I mean, like, like they rely on you for the right. money. Right. Right. And it's yeah. like, I go, I forgot. I thought I was supposed to kind of give in and, you know, what if they don't yep. like me? And, you know, it's like, no, actually, you don't actually have that to do that. You actually have a lot more power in this conversation than you realize. And I have to be reminded of it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. it sounds like you have the same issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, and, you know, with the people I trust, like whether it's on the road or whatever, I'll throw that fit and 
say that I'm the talent and then not react or respond in the way when I, when push comes to shove, like this passiveness to where it's like, I use, like I said, I usually end up doing it, but I have to in private throw my fit and remind someone in the room who probably doesn't care that I'm the talent, not in a diva way, but just like, right. you know, I got to tell myself that and then I'll step out and not say another word about it. But mm. uh, it is something that I wrestle with. And, but then there's this passiveness and maybe that is the, you know, most of the time being a, a, a phobic to where it's like, you would never know if I was meeting you, I'd be like, Oh, of course we can do that. That'd be great. And I'll go to the dressing room. What is he doing? I'm coming unraveled inside. Why is, you know, but, Oh, absolutely. We can do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, as long as you're happy. And that's <laughs> okay. So this is the ingratiating side of the six. Hmm. So the six is confronted with who they perceive as the authority figure, the person in charge, right? Whether it's the promoter yeah. or the record label guy or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then um, they uh, uh, can maybe there's a sort of temporary resistance or immediate resistance, but it's kind of like um, this anxiety and this sort of self questioning that sixes do a lot of. There's a lot mm-hmm. of self doubt in the six. Yep. And so then they start to vacillate. Was that too much? Was that too little? Like, you know, and then they ingratiate the authority figure because they perceive the authority figure as sort of being the one who's got their safety. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. well, it's got to kind of please the authority figure here just to get through this, you know, whatever. So um, let me <laughs> ask you a question. Here's a question I ask everybody mm-hmm. uh, when they come on the show. Are you in therapy right now? I am. Uh, not right now. I'm not. No. Okay. Well, which, yes and no. Um, we were in a, we've been in therapy. We were in therapy for about eight or about eight years, my wife and I. And uh, we moved, we actually moved to Nashville, I think seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. And we kind of, we did it kind of by video for a while, but it's, it's probably about, I've talked to her about once every two or three months, nothing like super consistent. So other, than, other therapy, than right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. No. Well, point taken. Um, yeah. So uh, what if you were in therapy now or and if you're willing to share this, like what's the big presenting issue that you need to work on right now as a six? Like if you, you know, go as deep as you want but like, what would the presenting problem be that you're like, man, I got to work on this right now? Um, I, I would say, um, uh, the, uh, the thing I struggle with the most is letting fear consume me. Hmm. Um, um, you know, to where it's like, it's always kind of been there, but almost to, to like a, a paralyzing extent sometimes to where it's like, um, hmm. You know, that would be, you know, it's, I know it sounds, it maybe sounds cliche, but just, um, you know, for someone who for a living tells people to trust, trust in God and stuff like it's, it, I struggle, the fears I have of like, you know, uh, this is not going to work. It's, I'm not in mm-hmm. control or whatever. It's been an ongoing struggle and I have great moments and, and tough mm-hmm. ones, but uh, I would mm-hmm. say that's, that's been an ongoing, uh, you know, that and, um, you know, I, I think, uh, it, it's kind of like the thing that I wrestled with the most that was most uh, transforming for me in the last few years was kind of getting a better grasp on my identity. And as far as just understanding that 
what I do is not who I am. Hmm. And to the point to where, you know, I literally got to point through counseling to where it's like, if the band broke up right now, I would not lose sleep tonight. Like, hmm. you know, and, and, um, and so that area of my life is like, it's, it's healthy and I've been, but there are other places where fear is like, a, you know, just, you know, my oldest son's a type one diabetic and the hardest part of the pandemic is whenever someone originally said, whatever mm-hmm. you do, don't let a diabetic get this. We, you know, we lived in a different kind of fear. You know, we had friends that are like, ah, it's kind of a joke. I don't wear a mask. I was like, man, I sure hope you're right. I'd love to be that person, but I can't afford it, you know, and to the point where he finally did get COVID over Christmas, you know, it was like, okay, here we go. And just expecting the worst. He had a fever for about two hours and that was it literally. Mm. It was fine. But, and then, then this bitterness of, could we not have gotten this in March? Cause I changed almost like, and I'm so glad he's better. But then there's also this weird disappointment of I was ready for the worst. Are you kidding me? Which is an awful thing to think when it's your son, right. but it's like, we changed everything thinking, yeah, I don't know. That's a weird so yeah, that's, it, but the, the sure. just being consumed and by fear is a, is an ongoing, you know, the ongoing struggle. You know, um, I, back when I was in, uh, in treatment, mm. uh, I had a, I had a therapist say something to me that blew my mind and I've never forgotten it. Mm. Um, she, uh, I shared my story with her and, and, uh, you know, in all of its rawness. And uh, she looked at me with the most compassionate voice. It was just in eyes. You know, when someone kind of locks you into that soft gaze Mm -hmm. and it's so caring, it's just so understanding and it's mesmerizing. Right. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think you've endured enough already. Don't you? Mm -hmm. Wow. I just, I just started to weep, you know, it was like, I think you've endured enough already, don't you? And it was this, I think, aren't you tired now? <laughs> you yeah. know, isn't it time for something to change here? Because, you know, I had a terrible childhood. I, you know, I, I came up with my own treatment plan, if you will. Uh, it was a pharmaceutical treatment plan, right, which right. was not a, not a particularly good one. Everybody's got one. So I'm not feeling like yeah. I'm like particularly sure. screwed up. It's like everybody comes up with their own treatment plan. Right. It could be, right. you know, it, it doesn't have to be even an addiction, you know, although very often it is, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Anyway, I don't want to go too far into it. But it sounds to me, or I guess let me ask you, what is it that you have endured enough of already that needs to change? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. Um, I was waiting for like, what, what's my favorite color? But let me, uh, no, um, <laughs> you don't get this on that show, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, um, I, I would say and that it's, it's, I'm hesitant because I still do this for a living, but, um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I've been, I, it's probably the celebrity part of it. Um, that's something that I, I, am I'm, I'm not a fan of, um, you know, doing shows like that's just the pandemic. I love doing shows, uh, is work like, and I just mean like the whole touring thing. Like I, like I said, like, and maybe that is cause there's a, there is 
since we're capable of any number, the four in me could just stay in the studio. And if people just listen to the music, I can just make it and never tour again. I think I would be, I'd be mm. content. And it's a, uh, it's just all the stuff that goes around it. Like I just want to sing and make music and, and like, uh, like there there's, I have, like, I, I, I feel I, there's, this makes sense. And I, I, there, I have an intimate relationship with that four part of me. But and it, but it's but and I I just come to visit it once in a while when I write, like I'm not one that's looking to watch the Notebook, <laughs> but, but I am. I'm on Manchester if, by the oh, Sea. I lost oh, it man. twice. Oh man! But that's the thing is like I'll even to a point. Part of me will make fun of it, but then mm. if it's on when I walk in the room, I'm done. I'm gonna watch it. It's like I I'd never sign up for it, but it's it's it. It, it to me to get to what a four is for me is like burning calories. But when I'm there, it's just a painful yet uh, revealing, intimate, uncomfortably revealing part of me. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and that's why I have this love affair with making music, man. You talk about like, mm. I have one song that I haven't talking about fear and this, that I have one song that I, I haven't been able to finish for years, literally have written two lot, two half of a verse and that's it. And I remember the first time I wrote it, I just wrote, this fear is very real. It's something I can taste and feel. And I kind of stopped and then just wrote, but so are you. And it wiped me out. Like I Mm. fell apart just trying to even say that Mm. to where I just pushed it aside. And for about, I don't know, two or three years, I'll stare at those lyrics and like, I'll finish it one day. And I don't know if there's a part of me that's like, I want to make sure that I can, I truly believe that. Or I don't know what it is that stops me. But every time I go there, it is an incredibly emotional, possibly healing. And I don't want, I don't know, but there's something about it that's, mm. that, that kind of has held me hostage. There's a truth that almost like that I want to believe in, but not sure if I have those yeah. days and I don't know if I do, mm. you know, say those, say those lines again for me. This fear is very real. It's something I can taste and feel, but so are you. And then the next line was the lies I try to leave relentlessly chase after me, but so do you. Mm. Um, and uh, I love them. I love them. But it's like, and it says so much. And I'm like, just going to a hooky course just feels weird. So I just, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, I, and maybe this is, it's really precious to me, that thing. And, and I just set it aside and the moment will come. And yeah. And, and you're talking about fear. And I think mm-hmm. certainly thematically, that's a, a sixth thing. But, you know, here's the thing. Yeah. <sighs> You know, people are always like, again, this is how when people misuse the Enneagram, it's like, oh, he's a six. He couldn't possibly write about you. No, he must be a seven because he's running away from fear. He doesn't want to write that song because he's a seven, you know, or it's like, no, man, it's like people are far more complex than that. Stop Mm -hmm. thinking. That's just like this sort of childish rudiment. Like, I got to tell you the truth. I'm going to say something's going to piss some people off, but (laughs) when I go on Instagram, And I see these stupid posts about the Enneagram. Mm. It's like, here's the, you know, and and what they're doing is stereotyping people. They're not, they're not typing, Mm -hmm. they're stereotyping. Mm -hmm. And it'll drive me batty because it's like, you don't really know, you don't understand the Enneagram. I mean, I hate to be condescending. I hate to be rude. I hate to be like, act like I'm the master guru. I'm not. I know a lot of people are smarter at this than I am. But the fact of the matter is when when I see that kind of trivialization of human beings, where it's like, what are we going to do? Just bring them down to one goofy stereotype? No. Yeah. Okay. So you are a dominant six. Well, you've got four dimensions. You've got seven dimensions. You have trauma, which affects things. You have, we all of us do. And so 
you know, we have to, nobody is a pure type. Nobody. Mm. Right. If you if you have the image of God, if you're a bearer mm. of the image of God, then you have dimensions of all of these types. You are a peacemaker. You are a challenger who cares about justice and, and power. You are a seven who cares about joy. You are. a. a yeah. you know, do you see where I'm going? It's like. Yeah. So. So I'm always like with people be discerning. Be discerning. Stop, you know, just using this thing like a bit of a card trick you know it, yeah. that that that's not what it is you know and i i hate it well you got a new record coming out in, in april you said i do yes it's that's what they tell me it's uh yeah i think april 30th is the last i heard so and they're booking dates it. in september yeah we're doing a couple of one-offs we just can't tour till september because every right. state's different and you've got stuff in a truck and you can't so There'll be, a, you know, hopefully a handful of shows between now and then, but not a full tour till the fall, you know, Lord willing. Well, man, I have so enjoyed this. This has been really, really rich. And now I'm going to be really pissed if we don't become friends. Man, me too. I was like, yeah, I've got, I was like, okay, on the podcast, I need to, I need to do dinner with you guys, Randy, Katie. I got more questions. So. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. Then you get to meet my nine wife, who's a rock star, <laughs> wonderful, self-aware, growing wife. Yeah. My nine, I, I don't know if it's true, but I, just, I, I, I don't know about nines and fours, but nines and sixes work really well together. So it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Nines and fours do real well. She's, she's, I'm the kite. She's the string. Is yeah. what I always say. You know, <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> she keeps me uh, emotionally tethered to the ground. <laughs> well, hey man, uh, I know that everybody knows how to find Mercy Me, and they know how to find you uh, uh, online. It uh, doesn't take a lot to figure it out, and uh, I'm excited about the the new record. And and I'm I'm just just been one of those conversations that has enlarged me, and so I I just kind mm. of like put a nice uh, little thing into my day and so thank you for being a wonderful guest and uh let's go to that new italian restaurant in franklin and uh which absolutely I have been to. okay i'm all in I been, yes I, I all right let's i'm gonna talk to randy and katie we're gonna set it up perfect okay that'd be great right. i got plenty of time in my hands <laughs> yeah. uh, hey typology tribe we uh we thank you as always let me just send you out with my new outro if you will my, my new sign off which is this yes. prayer that i pray for the world which is may you have peace may you have joy uh, may you have love may you have healing and may you have rest until next time